Welcome to our program this week. We want to continue with questions and answers. And uh, isn't it amazing that even when we do a program on questions and answers, well, we get more questions. But we're going to take some today as we continue with the questions from our previous session. And I hope that some of these are questions that you might have in terms of how we're seeing the Bible fulfilled in prophecy in these last days. The question that I want to go to this week is, is this one. Is the building of a temple a sign for the rapture of the church? Well, I appreciate the question, but I'm going to be honest with you. No, I think the building of the temple is a sign for the tribulation coming. You see, for the rapture, there's no signs. We're to be looking for the Lord to come. So we don't need a sign. It would be like the bridegroom as he comes, well, the bride should be looking for him. So she doesn't need a sign. She's looking for him. And we're looking for Jesus to come. But I think what the Bible would teach us is this. The Bible talks about in Daniel chapter 9, and, and what an incredible passage it is. Because in that passage, and I'm going to go to it today to just read to you a little bit of it, uh, there's a, a special indicator. But the indicator is not for the rapture of the church. The indicator is really for the nation of Israel. And remember in our studies on the tribulation, we saw that the church is gone before the tribulation. And then in the tribulation, that's when this temple will be in operation. So here's what it says. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, upon thy holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision, to seal up the prophecies, and to anoint the most holy. And then, a few verses later, it says, The Antichrist shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, one period of seven years, the tribulation, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. So really, the indicator is that the tribulation, before it gets to the midpoint, Israel had to begin starting animal sacrifices again. Why? Because the Bible says that in the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist will stop the animal sacrifices. I believe that in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, it says the Antichrist will confirm the covenant with many for one week. I think when the Antichrist comes, he will make some promises to Israel. I think among those things could be the use of the Temple Mount again for them to do sacrifices. Right now, you see, it's amazing that the Temple Mount would be right in the middle of Jerusalem. But really, the ownership of the Temple Mount and the operation of the Temple Mount is to the Palestinians. And so Israel's not allowed to do sacrifices up there. They're, they're barely allowed to, to walk up there. But the time will come when a treaty will be made and the Antichrist will, will deceive Israel. And this Antichrist will make a treaty with Israel for a period of seven, exactly the length of the tribulation. And I think he'll say, okay, go ahead and, and begin to do sacrifices. Because you see, there's been no animal sacrifices officially on the Temple Mount for almost 2,000 years. From 70 AD until today, no animal sacrifices on the Temple Mount. But clearly, they will start. The book of Hosea says this, that there'll be many days without a king, without a sacrifice. And in the latter days, the sacrifices will start again. So we're in the latter days. The whole story of the red heifer, and again, you can go to some of our past BTIP programs and you'll find interesting things about how the red heifer will come. The ashes will be used to purify a priesthood and begin sacrifices again on the Temple Mount. Now, uh, what is interesting is in Revelation chapter 12 and 13, we come to the midpoint of the tribulation. And in the midpoint of the tribulation, that's when this Antichrist who's made these promises to Israel 
to bring about peace and to get Israel to set down their weapons, all of a sudden he says, no, stop the sacrifice. You can only worship me. And he'll set an image of himself up in the temple. He'll say, people must worship that. Furthermore, you must have this mark of the beast. And you must have the, the, the number of his name. Otherwise, you can't buy or sell or trade. But there will be no worship other than just the worship of him. And we know, based on Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 through 11, that once a person accepts that mark, there's no hope for them. They're eternally lost to hell. But not a sign for the rapture? Here's why. Because, you see, this takes place all in the midpoint of the tribulation. And you and I, that are believers in Christ, we are raptured prior to the beginning of the tribulation. But it's certainly a sign the tribulation's coming. And when I see signs for the tribulation coming, I know this that before the tribulation ever starts, Christ will come in the clouds. So I get excited when I see these headlines in Israel. That's a great question, and I hope it helps you to understand the time frame of the Bible right now. Here's another question. We just finished a, a series on the Great White Throne Judgment on the mysteries of God and what will take place next. And so the question is, will everyone appear at the Great White Throne Judgment seat? Well, in our B-tip lesson, number 51, we talk about this in, in some detail. Remember, we saw that there's really three judgments. There's the judgment seat of Christ in the air for believers. There's another judgment called the throne of glory. It's on the earth for the nations in Matthew 25. And then the third one is the great white throne judgment. It's in heaven for the wicked dead. Notice this, these three judgments. One is in the air, one is on the earth, and, and one is in heaven. And the great white throne judgment Remember, I described it as, I think, the most serious and most sober lesson of all the lessons in the Bible. And it talks about the fact that we must appear before that. Now, who will appear? Well, I believe that the tr primary trial of this great white throne judgment, as we find in Revelation chapter 20, are for those who've never accepted Christ. In other words, those on trial, every one of them will be found guilty and every one of them will be judged to hell. But in our study, remember, we saw that there were three groups of people. One, the nations who have rejected God. Next, the angels and demons, they, they will be cast into hell. And then there's the unbelievers who think they can get saved by their good works. Listen to what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20. And the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. What a scary thing. At the great white throne judgment, the Bible says that every person who has not received Christ, his works will be judged. Do you understand that one sin is enough to condemn you to hell? And so your works, good and bad, will be there. Sometimes people think, well, my, my good works will outweigh my bad works. No, that won't be the case. Because you see, one sin is enough to send you to hell. And so God will judge you out of the books, plural, the books that have your works in them. And in there, there will be wicked thoughts, there will be wicked deeds, there will be lies, there will be deception. The, you know what the biggest sin is? The biggest sin is unbelief, not to receive Christ. And the result is those people will all be sent to hell. So for sure we know this, that all the lost will be there as well as other nations and demons and, and angels that have fallen from heaven. Will the saved be there? I think is maybe what the question is. And so if we are there, and I think that we will be, I think we will be there as the witnesses to the trial that's taking place. Thank God I won't be on trial. You want to know why? Because I've done more than one sin. I've done, my, my works would condemn me to hell. 
But you see, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, then heaven wrote my name in the book of life, in the Lamb's book of life. What a way for us to get be with the Lord Jesus. Accept him as our Savior. Our name then is, is written into the Lamb's book of life and we're forever saved and we'll never be judged for our works, for our deeds. The Bible says this, that all our righteousness is as filthy rags. The Bible says this, all of sin comes short of the glory of God. I don't want to be judged for my works. Jesus did the work that saves me. And on the cross, he said, it's finished. The work of Jesus saves me. And so I don't want to be judged for my works. I want to be judged on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Will we all be there? Probably so. Saved as a witness, those who have never received Christ, they will be judged and they'll be sentenced to hell. My friend, do you know Christ? I, I hope so. Because that's your chance to have eternal life and not be sent to hell. And then here's another great question. It says this, when does the millennial kingdom begin? Well, I like this because you see, the book of Daniel gives us a, an incredible answer. And remember the chart that we use so many times. And, and as you're looking at that, remember we saw here's the rapture of the church. And then we have the seven years of tribulation with the battle of Armageddon at the end. And right in the middle is where we'll have that mark of the beast and uh, the stopping of the sacrifice. So that's why I say it's a sign for the, the tribulation. At the end of this battle of Armageddon and the beginning of the millennial kingdom on our chart, we find something very interesting in the book of Daniel. I want to turn to it because it's always good when we answer questions and we say, here's the chapter and here's the verse, because that's the best way for us to study God's word and to understand and make sure that we're properly interpreting the book. So in Daniel chapter 12, it says this, Many shall be purified and made white and tested, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. So let's think about that two hundred and ninety days. It's interesting because you see, the last half of the tribulation, three and a half years, would be a total of months. We multiply that total of months by thirty days per month, and we end up with one thousand two hundred and sixty. So in the book of Daniel, it adds these 30 days. And then the very next verse, verse 12, blessed is he that waits and cometh to the 1,335 days. So now we have a total of 30 extra days and then 45 days, so a total of 75 extra days. And the Bible says this, that at the end of the tribulation, there's 75 additional days before the millennial kingdom starts. I personally think it will be a time of cleanup there's so much disaster, so much chaos, so many dead bodies and so on. That's perhaps the cleanup time as the millennial kingdom begins. So I say the millennial kingdom begins 75 days after the battle of Armageddon based on the book of Daniel chapter 12 verses 9 through 13. Aren't you glad that the Bible is so exact? I'm, I'm so glad that we have those time frames that God puts in his word so that we can understand the scriptures and we can see what God is hoping and planning to do with all that's taking place on planet Earth. Well, here's an interesting question. And we get this one again almost every time, but it's so important, I wanna take some time to look at it again. It says, when does the tribulation begin? Could we already be in the tribulation? Huh. Uh, you know what? I, I hope you'll have the time to go to B-tip lesson number 47. But I think 
before the tribulation can ever begin, the church will be raptured. Now, I say that because, you see, the seven years of the tribulation is a fulfillment of God to Israel that he would give them 490 years. And at the crucifixion of Christ, he'd give them 483 years, seven more years to come. And now there was a holding pattern as the church age was squeezed in here. But he's going to rapture the church, take the church home, and now seven additional years. We just read the passage in our question and answer time concerning the book of Daniel. Chapter 9, it says, when the Antichrist comes, he's going to sign a covenant for one more period of seven. There it is. God will fulfill his promise to Israel. But you see, we learned in Revelation chapter 4 that Christ calls the church home before the tribulation ever begins. This tribulation doesn't begin until Revelation chapter 6 and the Antichrist is revealed. It ends in chapter 19 when, when these judgments are finalized. And in chapter 19, here comes Christ back out of glory with the church with him. And so we know that this period of time, the church is not on the earth. I think I understand why people would ask such a question. The reason is because so many things are taking place that are signs for the tribulation, like the rebuilding of the temple, like the gathering of the nations against Israel right on their borders, the very nations that God mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that would come against Israel. The idea of the cashless society, a mark, and, and controlling people by fear and by power and, and not letting them buy or sell or trade. Listen, all these things are signs for the tribulation, but we are to be looking for the sound, listening for the sound of the trumpet and for the appearance of Jesus Christ. And so, no, we're not in the tribulation, but when we see the tribulation signs coming true, it says this, surely the tribulation is beginning soon, and that means that even sooner, we should be looking for Jesus to appear in heaven. Great question. I hope it will make you more excited about the Lord's coming than ever before. A question. Where is America in Bible prophecy? You know what? That's a tremendous question. Because as I study the Bible, I don't see America in Bible prophecy. America was a country that was established on, on really the, the principles of the Bible. The forefathers, whether you agree with them or not, were, were men that respected the Bible and reverenced the Bible. And they took many of the ideas for the Constitution out of the Bible. But what has happened to America in the last couple decades is so despicable. We have turned our back on God. We've turned our back on the Bible. I believe that God is judging America. You see, he's given us great, great privileges, a great republic. We've been great opportunities, but we have lost those opportunities. We've squandered those opportunities. And so I look in the Bible and I don't see America. It says that all the nations come against Israel. I'm afraid that America is collapsing. But I know this, that when Christ comes back and the church is taken, those who are believers, those who have been praying for America every day, I pray for America every day. I pray for, for people of the world to accept Christ, including America. But I'm afraid that I'm watching America destroy itself from within. And I believe that America will fall. And I believe that, that America is not in Bible prophecy because it falls. It falls by the judgment of God because we've rejected God. We've rejected the Bible. We've stopped prayer. We're not raising our kids in Sunday school. We're, we're not treating them as though they should have a respect for God and, and seeking Jesus Christ for his salvation. Where's American Bible prophecy? It's gone. It destroyed itself. You know what I say? I say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, because 
America is on the brink of total collapse because of her total rejection of God. Here's another question, and it's this idea. Are there present conditions in the world such as COVID and masks and shots and homosexuality? Is it mentioned in the Bible? You know what I have to say? I say yes. Again, I say Romans chapter 1 is, is really an incredible uh, story of that because it talks about how that man be, tried to become independent of God. And, and when he did, he, he began to, to take things in his own hand. It says, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made with corruptible man, and birds, and forfeited beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own heart, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this God, God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did exchange the natural use for that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, with men working that which is unseemly, receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir which is fitting. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. What, a, what an indictment against the human race. And, and what a, an indictment against where we're living in right now. We find again in, in the book of Timothy, the Bible talks about how that in the last days we're going to see these kind of things come to pass. Timothy chapter 4, it mentions that we're going to see evil society. We're going to see evil begin to dominate. We're watching it take place. And so I believe that in Revelation chapter 13 it says this, that there'll come a day when this man, this Antichrist, who's won the favor of the world, and now he stops the sacrifice on the Temple Mount, and he requires people to worship him. There's some very basic things that we find. One of those is our health and our food. And the Bible says that when this Antichrist finally gets control midway through the tribulation, you're not going to be able to buy or sell. You're not going to be able to do business or go to school. Even your health, it appears to me, is in question unless you agree to his conditions and it will require that you take the mark of the beast. My friend, the world is being set up for the mark of the beast. The world is set up for control by, by governments. You see, the, the Bible knew that man cannot be trusted. And eventually the power that these people want is as they, they put one nation after another into subjection. My friend, you know what? When the Antichrist comes, he's going to be the master deceiver. And he's going to take these powerful men, whether they're scientists or political leaders, and he's going to make them promises, and they're going to, they're going to want the power that he's going to promise to them. And they're going to submit to his control, and they're going to relinquish control to them. And my friend, when they do, we will watch these present conditions turn into the, exactly the end-time conditions of the Bible. Yes, the present conditions, I think, are our forerunner of what's going to take place in the tribulation. And we're watching it take place before our very eyes. I want to do one more question this week, and it's an interesting one, because you see, while we're so busy looking at the chaos taking place in the world around us, particularly with the COVID situation, we've watched a whole situation in Afghanistan take place. And so what's new in Israel? Do you still believe that Israel or Jerusalem is the main place to watch in the last days? I'm convinced it is. 
Zechariah chapter 12, verse 2, Zechariah chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, Joel chapter 3, all says the nations will come against Jerusalem. And while we've been so busy with COVID, to me it's amazing to see the nations lined up on the border, the east and north border of Israel, exactly as the Bible said. Not only that, do you realize that when we look at these things, we see now that Israel is isolated from her friends, She's surrounded by enemies, and there's weak leaders in Israel and the United States. Now, this little red speck right here, that's, that's all there is to Israel. And they're surrounded by, by their enemies. Their friends, such as America, we've deserted them. And the Bible said that this would be exactly the, the situation in the last days. I think Jerusalem is, the, is the, the important part of the clock. Israel might be the, the hour hand, and Jerusalem, I like to say, well, that's the, the minute hand and the Temple Mount where the Antichrist will stop the sacrifice, that's the second hand. Yes, while we're watching and worried about the COVID and all the other conditions around us, enemies of Israel have been making progress. China now is wedged into the situation in the Middle East. Read what the Bible says about the nation from the East coming. The other nations have lined up and made solidarity against Israel, trying to defeat Israel, even before the battle begins. And so as we look at all these things, yes, Jerusalem is still the main point. To prove it, remember we've just gone through the situation in Afghanistan. I'm gonna show you a headline from September the 12th. Here's what it says, this is by Amon. He's, the, he's the, one of the leaders for the Al-Qaeda. And 20 years ago, from the time when they, when they did the, the Twin Tower destruction, my friend, how, how can we forget in 20 years the very people that we had prisoners and, and Getmo, they, they're now leading this insurrection. The whole world will reap the consequences of it. But here's what he did. This is the title that Al-Qaeda gave to a new video that was gonna be released on the 20 years of the anniversary of the Twin Towers. It says this, Jerusalem will not be Jewish. My friend, do, do you understand? He's saying this, that they want to eliminate Israel they want to eliminate America. They want to eliminate anyone that will stop them because they want Jerusalem. That's exactly the, the battle that the Bible says will be in the last days. All the nations come against Jerusalem. The Antichrist wants Jerusalem. Al-Qaeda wants Jerusalem. Hamas wants Jerusalem. They all want Jerusalem. Why? Because the Bible says that Jerusalem is owned by God. Read the passage in Joel 3. And he says, I have to judge them because they come against my land, they come against my people, they come against my city. My friend, we're watching the Bible fulfilled before our very eyes. I don't think the complete fulfillment of Joel 3 or Zechariah 12 and Zechariah 14, I don't think that takes place until into the tribulation, some places even at the end of the tribulation, but we're watching it right now. It's becoming the, the political football. Can you imagine entitling this, Jerusalem will not be Jewish? My friend, if Jerusalem's not Jewish, then what is it? Because that's the mount that God chose for Abraham to offer up his son Isaac. That's the mount he chose to have the temple on, the temple mount. Every great sacrifice has been made on Mount Moriah. And my friend, I believe that Golgotha is on the north end of Mount Moriah. I think it's a special place to God. And I don't think God's going to allow them to take Jerusalem, even though they promise it will, even though right now they fool the world and, and now they have their own Al-Qaeda and, and all their their uh, great government, so-called in Afghanistan, my friend, it may fool American leaders, it hasn't fooled God. 
My friend, as we look at these questions, do you understand that there's a question for you? And this question is one that we end our program with every week. Are you ready? You see, all these headlines show us that we're at the end of time. I believe we're right at the end of the church age. I believe that any time Christ will come in the clouds, there will be a trumpet sound. Those of us who know Christ will, will be beckoned and will go to meet him in the clouds. We'll be with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then chaos will break loose on the earth. The Antichrist will come and take over. He will trick people. He'll deceive them. They'll be required to take a mark to even buy, sell, or trade, or just to exist. Their health will depend upon it. Their, their food will depend upon it. Their, their livelihood will depend upon it, exactly as the Bible said. But my friend, today you can have salvation. Number one, have you ever admitted to God that you're a sinner? That you come short of a standard? You need a Savior? Number two, have you acknowledged that Jesus Christ is that substitute? He is that Redeemer. He is the one that can save you from your sin. And number three, have you ever personally accepted him saying, Jesus, I take your bloodshed, I take your death as a payment for my sin. My friend, if you do, you know something? You'll look at these headlines and you'll say, I'm so glad I know Jesus. I'm ready if Jesus comes today because what is taking place is exactly what the Bible said would be in the last days. Questions and answers? Let me tell you this. The Bible has the answers to every question that man can ever think of. Jesus Christ is the solution for this world. I invite you to receive him as your savior today. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you that no matter how many questions come, even if we can't answer some of them, we know that you can. And so Father, we submit ourselves to a God who loves us, loves us so much he sent Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, into the world to die for sinners. Father, I pray today that some will accept Christ. And Father, for those that know Christ, that will live for him because it can't be long before we hear the sound of the trumpet. It can't be long before we get to be an eyewitness to all that is taking place being a fulfillment of the Bible's prophecy. Father, thank you for Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.